Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine, I am Andy Hotbody Dawson, pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney, so what? Welcome along to the um, what's probably going to be the final part of the Zamor Odyssey. We're looking at that brief period in Grinchill's history when uh, Zamor uh, became um, a, a smackhead, as they were called back then. A heroin addict. Um, we've looked at the episode when he was found slumped in the back room of the arcade where poor Roland was working. Roland found him and um, looked at a bit of the aftermath. But as we've discovered since, which we didn't remember, um, the storyline went on for months and months and it went straddled series nine, I think, into series 10 before yeah, Samuel finally got is, off the smack. Yeah, which is good because there's no point of them doing it if they go, oh, Zamo's on heroin. Oh, well, he's better now. Yeah. Like oh, they, I'll, they I'll had, stop. <laughs> I'll stop. All right, everyone's caught me. Hands up. I'll stop doing it now. So they gave Hurrah. a pretty pretty raw and sort of real mm. depiction of of, uh, of addiction, I guess. Mm. Um, I remember there was a, there was some graffiti. I think he came back in, in, in the next series and he, he'd got better over summer or something. Yeah. But there was graffiti, but people still were teasing him about it because there's the stigma. There was the stigma, like, you know, if, if that's that's the thing about addiction, especially heroin addiction, especially back then. It's like, you get hooked, you feel a lot of shame for what you're doing mm. and the shame eats you up. The only way to numb that shame out, more heroin. Exactly. Yeah, and there was a famous bit of graffiti. I can't remember the exact wording. Maybe we'll find it if we Google it. But there was a bit of graffiti written somewhere that he discovered and got really angry about. And it said something like "Zamo chased the dragon and yeah, got smacked." Yeah, I think that was it. And he scrubbed at it, didn't he? Try to scrub it off. Yeah, he was like, "Ah, I'm not doing that anymore. I put it all behind me. That's not fair." Mm. Did he not? I, I'm vaguely remembering. Did he not? get clean and then maybe relapse or something like that. Might have relapsed, yeah. And that was when Jackie, when he poured it down the sink or something, because Jackie had found him, found him yes. with it. Maybe. Can't remember Yeah, exactly. that was chilling. It was all very <clears throat> chilling, wasn't it? It was really chilling. I think one thing that maybe they should have done a bit more, a bit better, is like it sort of came a little bit out of the blue. Mm. Like, in that episode, we were trying, we knew as we spoke before, Someone in Grange Hill, I think the papers had got hold of that, someone in Grange Hill was going to be a heroin addict in this mm. series, but you didn't know who. And in that episode, the original one we we dived, you weren't sure who it was going to turn out to be, right? And it was Zamo. But, you know, addiction comes doesn't just come out of the fucking blue. Do you know what I mean? What yeah. was going on in Zamo's life that led him to search for answers in drugs? Mm-hmm. The that answers much, are never in drugs. Know. The answers are never in drugs. Because people in those days, especially people would go, the, the narrative was a bit sort of simplistic. So I fall in with the wrong crowd. Mm. Fall in with the wrong crowd and then you start taking drugs, right? Mm. And it's like, 
that's an easy thing for people like teachers and parents to think because then it sort of takes away any sort of blame or guilt from them because they just yeah. think, oh, there's some peers who manipulated them into taking drugs. But the truth is people don't really start taking a, drugs like heroin unless they're already vulnerable in some emotional, mental yeah. way. Do you yeah. know what I mean? If you're just a, a happy, fucking productive, fulfilled individual with lots of people who love you and support you, you don't suddenly go, I'm going to start fucking boshing loads of heroin. Mm. Something to do. Mm. Curveball. Yeah, that's true. But um, I was going to say something, I forgot what it was now. No, that's, that was it. I'm really tempted to start, like, picking up this series from where we started because we watched the one afterwards which obviously didn't have any Zamor content in it at all but it was really good this was the middle of series 9 I'm tempted to get back into Brickbox and battle my way through a lot of them I subscribed to Brickbox to watch that episode um, and I put in my diary as a reminder cancel Brickbox cancel it Fernal Brickbox after your your 7 day free trial cancel wallet sapping subscriptions on Brickbox Andy, despite the fact that I made a note in my diary, I did not cancel yeah, my not subscription. <laughs> so now I'm stuck with my Brickbox subscription and I have to start making the most of it. So fuck it, I'm going to start there's, watching the whole of this Grange Hill there's series. There's a lot of good stuff in there. There's lots of good yeah. stuff in there. Um, but, you know, this isn't an advert for fucking Brickbox. They're not paying us to talk about them. If they want to, we will. Um, oh, yeah. We could do a Brickbox. If you want Brickbox, we could do... Do you remember we went on Jamie East's What's Good on Netflix podcast? Yeah. And that was when we met our good friend, Julian Fellows. <laughs> he hasn't been in touch recently. for a chimpanzee. Yeah, good good friend, I'd right. say. He didn't yeah. ask us to get involved with that new Downton Abbey movie that they, that's out where one where they go to Italy. No. I saw a trailer for it in a cinema and I was fucking fuming. I thought, what's this? He's made a new fucking film behind our backs, the cunt. Mm. Me and Andy could have... He knows Andy's acting I'm now. I'm an actor now. Andy could yeah. have been in that. They could exactly. have found a fucking background role for me and all, but no. Just I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't write a role for a chimpanzee. <laughs> had I done, I'd have been happy to have had your associate in it. <clears throat> I'm planning another one where the Downton Abbey gang joined the circus. Perhaps there'll be room for him in that. <laughs> it's based on Madagascar 3. <laughs> Which, of course, there are a lot of parallels between one of the best, one the of the Madagascar best ever franchise made. and the Downton Abbey. And uh, he's <clears> also <throat> thinking of doing Downton Abbey Expanded Universe as yeah. well. Downton uh, Abbey Multiverse of Madness, it's called. <laughs> origin stories and all that. Yeah, all that. Of course, Madagascar um, 3, I just must need to say, it is one of the best films ever made. It's a great one. Afro circus, Afro circus, Afro circus, pocket up, pocket up, Afro circus. It's got a great moped chase in it. Yeah. Car chase are always welcome. Madagascar 2, I thought was lacklustre, but Madagascar 3 was a return to form. I can't remember. Madagascar 3 is the one in the circus, isn't it? Yeah. And there's the sort of sinister French police officer chasing them. Yeah. Yeah, that's the best one. Anyway. But anyway. Oh, God, I had something important to say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Brickbox. Uh, where Jamie East, that was when we met Julian Fellows, and they just had the shrewd idea of making a podcast mm. which basically talked about the new shows and mm. old archive stuff that was available on Netflix. Do the same with Brickbox, and who better to host it than Venus. the popular podcasters Andy Dawson and Sam Delaney. Would, Brickbox, would. if you're listening, 
everything would we, crap um, Would we be able to use the word cunt in it? I would hope so. It'd be pointless hiring us if we weren't. I mean, <laughs> if you don't want us to use the word cunt, then don't hire or us. Hire us. It's hire fucking... Hire Romesh and his mate. They'll do it. They, yeah. I've noticed they're funny, but they never say cunt. So they're probably better, but they're definitely more expensive than us. So, Very much you know, so. you've got to weigh it up. <laughs> yeah. Your move, Britbox. Next question. <laughs> um, but we would do that. Yeah. But Pretty anyway, sure. Grain Chill, it is worth watching just for all of the other storylines. And, and I really, it brought back so much to me, so many feelings, mainly of how scary I found the whole thing. Mm. I guess it's almost like your first exposure to sort of gritty, authentic television that's yeah. sort of uncomfortable to watch. Because it really, it, it really was, this storyline was uncomfortable to watch. Well, that was the thing. It was real life and it, we didn't have much of that. And EastEnders came along in 85, which was just after the yeah. grid had been on for like seven years or something at that point. They had Phil, heroin and AIDS, Phil, didn't they? Phil Redmond, who did Grainchill, of course, then did Brookside on Channel 4 yeah. in 1982, which was grown-up Grainchill, let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah, that and, had heroin um, as well. That had they heroin all had as heroin. well. <laughs> Everyone had heroin back then. But Grainchill were first out of the traps. Grainchill did it. Then uh, EastEnders had Mary the Punk. Yeah. And, of course, in uh, Brookside, uh, Jimmy Corkill sold heroin, didn't he? Yeah, and With then got addicted, the, didn't he? The bugger. Yeah. Didn't Jimmy got, got high in his own supply. My favourite ever sketch on Shooting Stars was when they recreated a Brookside scene <laughs> and... I can't remember who the name of the mixed race guy who ran the pizza shop was. Mick. I think he might be Mick. Yeah. And Jimmy is applying for a job at the pizza place because he says, I'm, yeah. I'm going. He goes, I can't hire Jimmy. I can't hire you because, no, you're unreliable and you're too into drugs and things. He goes, no, I tell you, I'm going straight. Go on, ask me anything. He goes, all right then, Jimmy. Tell me the ingredients of a Hawaiian pizza. <laughs> and he goes, tomato. Yeah. Mozzarella. Yeah. Ham, yeah. Pineapple, yeah. And uh, heroin. Ah, Jimmy, man, you were doing so well. Oh, yeah. Uh, heroin. Heroin pizza. Mm. Very Moorish. The 80s was a different time. You could mm. get heroin on your pizzas then. You could. Um so we're looking at the Just Say No video, which, of course, was the byproduct of the the whole storyline. Um, the Grinchill cast got into the studio, recorded a single, um, Just Say No. It's quite catchy. It, it feels quite low budget. It's, it's not like, you know, Trevor Horn was knocking out massive pop sounds with Frank and Ghost of Hollywood well, around the same I, time. I, I it's not that. Think, no, I, I, I think that actually, to my mind, you're doing it a little bit of a disservice. I actually think this is a really good song. Do you? I think the vocals let it down a bit because these are all stage school kids, so they can hold a tune, but mm. there's no one with a great voice. But I actually think the melody and some of the production and some of the, the fucking bass line, I urge you to listen back to it and tell me that fucking... Bernard Edwards from Chic is not playing the fucking bass on this record, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's either him or Mark King because the fucking bass, especially when there's a little bass break just before we go into the rap, is superb. There's also a superb saxophone break, but of course that was, I think, the law in this period of the eighties that you had to have a saxophone solo in all pop music. Um, Do you certainly think- why I started learning the saxophone at this age? 
do you think the Chiswick Soul Patrol would have played this? Yes, it was very their, much a Chiswick Soul Patrol Cortinas. kind of track. Yeah, but outside ma- McDonald's, maybe an instrumental version without the kids singing. Yeah, they wouldn't have liked. Own. Yeah, because they would have definitely been at odds with the central message of the song. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, but other just, than that, yeah, just, that, everything just, about the, the aesthetic and the sound. You, ju- you just said yeah. you'd learnt to play the saxophone. Yeah, have I never mentioned that? I'm not sure you have. When I started secondary school, um, they gave you a list of here are the instruments that are available to learn yeah. if you want to do lessons. And one of them was saxophone. And I just was like, fucking definitely, yeah. right? Yeah. Because it was 86. I started secondary school in 1986. That was the year of Just Say No, I yeah. think. And it was a huge year for saxophones. Probably you- the biggest ever year. For saxophone since the 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 golden age of cool jazz in the sort of early to mid sixties, you'd, you'd have grown up with Lee Thompson of Madness as well. Exactly. So who, there's that any going kid, on. A, a, any fucking connoisseur knew was the best member of Madness because he flew around playing the saxophone, right? <laughs> and um, he, a man who could fly through the sky whilst playing the saxophone. So everything was, yeah. I mean, and the, you know, fucking hell. You know, you got the sax breaking um, true. You got mm. the sax breaking careless whisper. Everything had a fucking amazing sax break. So I thought, obviously, I want to play the sax. Mm-hmm. And two of my best mates also said, yeah, we'll get involved in that as well. But it was very expensive to do because my mum, she couldn't afford to buy me a sax because mm-hmm. she quite clearly knew as well that it was very likely to be a fad, which turned yeah. out to be true. Yeah. So she had to to rent a sax and um i was not very good at it but the main thing that put me off actually was it's a fucking i don't know if you've ever played an instrument at school mate Mm. but what i would now say i mean neither of my kids are interested in playing instruments which really saddens me because i would love them to but they just don't want to uh, but if if you do try and pick one that's easy to carry around yeah right yeah so violin you do look like a bit of a lampard if you're going around with a little violin case right mm. but fucking easy flute easy saxophone even a trumpet smaller mm. saxophone fucking weighed a ton mate mm. and between that and the expense it was costing my mum to hire this saxophone i think the lessons were free because it was school right it was just a fucking nightmare I, d- I dreaded saxophone days because you had to carry this huge saxophone case days. And then saxophone oh, digs. No, Sam Delaney, that's, the, that's that's volume two of my uh, memoir, of my autobiography. <laughs> saxophone days, <laughs> saxophone days, saxophone nights. Right, and uh, and um, but in the end, right, we were waiting to get the school coach. <laughs> I'm start a group called Sexual Assault. <laughs> 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 we were uh, we were we were we were waiting for the cute for the school coach right which i might have mentioned about before because there was this fucking cunt driver who banned me just because i fucking whacked someone and broke their glasses he banned me for life or for the fucking cute coach right so jalapeno jalapeno we were waiting and my mate alex he had a saxophone too. There was three of us who were into the saxophone. And he's gone in the newsagents while we're waiting for the coach to buy something. And if, and he's left his fucking saxophone in there, the daft cunt, right? Mm. The couple who ran this little shop, this Indian couple, 
They saw it. This is 1986, right? So there was a lot of IRA activity in London, yeah. right? And our school had drills and everything for bombs. I mean, I don't think the IRA ever tried to bomb a fucking school on the British mainland. Mm. But nevertheless, there was a lot of fucking high anxiety about it. And uh, this Indian couple fucking saw this case and it's a big fucking case right with big metal buckles on it right you wouldn't know straight away it was an instrument and they were just convinced it was a bomb yeah they called the police they said some cunts left a bomb what in your little fucking in your corner shop in suburban west london i think the ira are fucking looking at bigger targets than that mate right Calm the, down, the, cunt. The fucking the old bill and the bomb squad turned up oh, for my what? mate alex's fucking saxophone Shit. Did they safely yeah. detonate it? Unbelievable. Yeah, they blew it up. <laughs> that would have been, they didn't blow it up, but that would have been great. <laughs> yeah, to break your saxophone. What? <laughs> the Met have just blown the cunt up, so you're going to have to get a new one. I hope it was insured, because they say they're not paying. I mean, as you yeah. can see, I'm right now I'm wearing a Protect and Survive t-shirt from the 1980s. Yeah. Uh, nuclear Holocaust campaign that the government did and I showed me kids the beginning of the video it's the 50 minute video Protect and Survive on YouTube because yeah. we both went to the um, the exhibition didn't we at the yeah, National yeah, Archives a few years ago and they were just fucking mesmerised by the fact that we lived under the constant threat of nuclear attack yeah. in the 1980s I think it was in some ways quite IRA. good for your mental health I think it was good for your mental health stuff kept like that kept agile didn't it well I think it just made you think Live for the moment. Yeah, live, live out life. loud. What do they say in those memes that you get, all those things you can stick on your wall? Live, love, laugh. Live, laugh, love. I think we all just yeah. instinctively knew that every day when we got up in the morning because you just thought, well, today could be the last. Yeah. It so fucking be, live it to the maximum. Uh, by tea time, I could be breathing in nuclear dust <laughs> under the stairs. <laughs> and that is why I will once again have bacon and eggs for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we might uh, we might deep dive the Protect Survive video. At oh some yeah, point. that'd be great. But yeah, so the saxophone was fucking huge in this song. Yeah, I love that. This is very much a sound that I love. And to be honest, in the hands of perhaps some better, certainly vocalists, in the hands of a Luther Vandross or Alexander mm. O'Neill, this would have been a worldwide smash. Okay. Well, I don't find myself going back and listening to it all that often. It's not one of me me go to tracks, but the video is um, it's fun. The, the Grinch Hill kids are all there. They're not wearing their Grinch Hill uniforms, and they're kind of not wearing what their characters would wear. I don't think either outside no, of school. They're, they're not playing the characters. They're, they're in playing their civvies. Themselves. They're, they're, they're themselves. And I remember I watched this just just now before we recorded, and I remember how thrilling. I found it to see them, especially the girls. <laughs> yeah. Not now. I didn't find it thrilling now. I'm yeah. an old man. But I remember at that age, it yeah. was like, because all the girls are sort of out of their uniform. They look a little bit more glam. Mm. And they're all doing really great dance routines, very 80s sort yeah. of dance routines in it. And it just felt really cool and exciting to see yeah. them all like that. Very exciting. Um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the main um, notes I've made in terms of their characters is Gonch. Yeah. He's obviously one of our favourites who we've discussed extensively on this podcast. Gonch is owning the dance floor yeah. right from the start, as you would expect. He's got his tinted spectacles on. He has. He's got a nice shirt done up top button, which yeah. was very much of that time, wasn't it? Yeah. The old top button done up, right? 
and unlike the others who were a bit adolescent <laughs> and awkward, not Gunch, because Gunch, of course, was sophisticated. Full of confidence. Beyond his years, mm. wasn't he? And he's just there with a big fucking self-confident grin, and he's just moving like on the dance floor, like he's fucking born to do it, mm. right? He's just there. It's like, I'm Gunch. This dance floor's mine. Make an oddly cue, ladies. Yeah. I really hope Gonch is going to be in the forthcoming film they've got planned where some of the original characters come back as grandparents of the kids in the new thing. Gonch is a granddad. God, yeah. But they're they're like 86, so they would have been about your age, about a couple of years older than me. You're right, you're not a granddad. I'm not a granddad. Well, that's, what, that's what they realistic. said, yeah. They, 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 they said when they announced the film that there's somebody come back as grandparents. Maybe some of the 1979 characters... Like, like Tucker, Tucker, Jenkins, Tucker, Tucker would be, be a granddad. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. But I'd like to know what Goncha's life panned out like. There should be... I there must be Grinchill fan fiction, if there's not been write it. Listen, Gunch would have ridden the fucking wave of Thatcherism towards the end of the 80s. I reckon yeah. he's the sort of bloke who would have thought, fuck university. He could have gone. He would have mm. had the grades, but he was like too nimble for that. The time. I'm not just crack on. I'm not fucking racking up a load of debt, wasting yeah. my time, getting pissed for three years. I'm getting straight out into the labour market, and I think he would have started his own thing up. Left school at 16. I wouldn't have been surprised if he'd ended up in the city, right? Because a lot of those sort of yeah. working class lads with sharp minds ended up in the city, making a lot of money. Yeah. But then I bet you that in the in the recession of the early 90s, you know, the big sort of 1991, 92 recession, that would have been hard times for Gonch. Mm. But Gonch being Gonch, I think after that, he would have fucking lived to, on lived his feet. To, like a phoenix in the flames. Yeah. When the recession passed and New Labour got in, Gonch <clears> would have been back on top again. Gonch, if he'd been born a few years later, would almost certainly have been a contestant on The Apprentice. Oh, yeah. He would have fucking <laughs> won it, no problem. He probably would have ended up as one of Alan Sugar's sidekicks. He'd have been a Claude yeah, yeah. type figure. Yeah. He'd, have, he'd, have, he'd have worked with Sugar earlier, Gonch. pre-apprentice. Gonch has gone <clears throat> to observe the Ignite team as they yeah. attempt as they <laughs> attempt to set up a market stall selling marshmallow fluff. <laughs> or he'd have just been standing a, back with a clipboard, squinting yeah. at them. Or he'd have been one of the dragons on Dragon's Den, wouldn't he? <laughs> Completely. Gunch is willing. Gunch is willing to invest ten thousand pounds of his own money in the barbecue sauce idea. <laughs> still, still called himself Gunch. Yeah, uh, Gunch, John, John Gunch, Gunch, <laughs> Mister Gunch. Call me what you want. I prefer Gunch. I'm an, I've the never Gunch been term. formal. <laughs> Gunch Ultron. Ah. Uh. So what happens in this video? Um, Zamo is. Uh, it's, it's, it's Zamo doing some weight. He's in the gym. Uh, and yeah. then we see young Robbie uh, in the changing room who's chatting with a bloke. Robbie's in his, his training gear, but this bloke's just in civvies, which immediately is alarm bells, and he's chatting with yeah. Robbie. Um, Zamo comes in and says, what's going on? And he shoves. Robbie's younger. Robbie's younger. Well, Robbie's like a, quite a young kid in this, but of course Robbie went on to be quite the sort of cock of the school, yeah. didn't he, as he grew older? Wasn't Rob, was Robbie Goncher's mate? I think he might have been the same year as... he might have been. Because Zamo was a bit older. Uh, he, he, be- he became like a bit of like the main man, like yeah. the school. He was popular with the ladies. There was a storyline a year or two later when he got a bit older that he became a football hooligan briefly as well. Did he? He, he fell in with it. I remember the football hooliganism episode. I might try and find it on BritBox because it was really funny. 
because they obviously, like the writers did with this heroin storyline, they, they tried to pick up on what was going on in real life yeah, and reflect it in the show. But whereas we feel that they got the heroin storyline really, they really nailed it, the football hooliganism one was awful because they yeah. had some invented local teams and you saw Robbie at, at, the, at the game getting involved in violence, but it was proper like everyone was wearing the stripy scarfs. And there was like one group of fans who all had red and white bar scarves <laughs> and another group of fans had blue and white bar <coughs> scarves and bobble hats and all the rest of it. Like Roy the and I'm so, I was only about 13. I'm sitting there going, fucking stroll on. What sort of muggy firm's this? <laughs> <laughs> but of course, um, Robbie was John Alford who went yeah. on to... Uh, London's he, Burning. He was in London's Burning for a few years and he had three top 30 hits. In 1996, forgot about that. In Euro '96, John Alford was a pop star. As a result of his role in London's Burning, I guess so. Yeah, um, yeah. '93 and '98 in London's Burning, so it was his peak London's Burning era. I bet it was pop reggae because if any TV acting star from from the soaps <laughs> or anything like that did a pop song in the '90s, it always had a, a bit of a sort of pop reggae yeah, look it will to have it, been. didn't it? Well, his his first hit was "Smoke Gets in Your Eyes." Do you see what yeah, he did there? Yeah, it would there? have been the a Lundin's reggae version thing. of Smoke Gets yeah. In Your Eyes, I bet you. That got number 13. But um, 1999, he was convicted of supplying drugs to News of the World undercover reporter Mazur Mahmood oh. and oh, subsequently no. in prison for nine months. No! Fucking hell, yeah. No, I, did, I for, fucking totally forgot on that completely. One of News of the World that stings. fucking stitch-up. They can do that to anyone. Yeah, and they did. So there you go. He was released after six weeks, six weeks after agreeing to electronic tagging Alford has stated that Mahmood claimed to be a well-connected prince who could offer Alford a lucrative contract. If you get me some cocaine. I am a well-connected prince and I can offer you a lucrative lucrative contract. contract. If, if, oh, no, 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 wait, before you say anything (laughs) more, you've got to hear the conditions. The condition is very simple. I need you to get me some cocaine. (laughs) By tomorrow evening. (laughs) (laughs) If you do... That everything is possible. Fucking hell! I mean, that, that's mad because they they just fucking did that left, right, and centre. And of course, um, Alford told Panorama in 2014 that the conviction led him to suicidal thoughts because that in 2014, of course, there was Talisa was on trial yeah. and um, yeah, yeah. my mood was found to have committed perjury. It was fucking cheap, was that fucking whole obscene. thing, right? I remember they did it to Lawrence Deladlio as well, didn't they? Yeah. I don't know, he seemed to get off the hook, I don't know. But they did it all the time. And I, I knew a few people who worked on the news of the world, and even when they were quite young, I knew a few female reporters who said that when they first got there, they were very quickly encouraged to go out. And, and you know, obviously that bloke, was the main man, hmm. you know, the, the fake shake. Yeah. But they had a lot of particularly female young reporters in experience who they would encourage to go out and honey trap celebrities. Yeah. Right? Which was really like, I don't know, there was a hint of sort of Fagan in in Oliver Twist in that they'd sort of get, they'd tell them what to wear. And it was basically, they weren't teaching them journalism. They were saying, go out flirt with this celebrity this is where he hangs See out what you can and get, once he's pissed enough ask him if he can get you some coke yeah right and I'm not being funny but most guys are going to say if you say can you get me some coke whether they can or can't if they're in a certain state 
and there is an attractive woman asking them. And they think they're there's always a chance go, of them getting sucked off. Yeah. They're always go, if there's a fucking blowy in the offing, even slightly, even like a vague chance of a blowjob, you're going to go. Yeah. Yes, I can I will definitely do get you some you coke. Asking me. Yeah. I will get you coke, no problem. <laughs> it's like that bit in Team America where she goes, "The only way I can have sex with you is if you promise me you will never ever die." If you promise me that, I'll have sex with you right now. And he looks back at her and there's a pause and he blinks a couple of times. He goes, okay, I promise you I will never, ever die. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and that's it. But it's so cheap, isn't it? Just going round to all these people, getting them pissed and going, can you get me drugs? They go, yeah. And they go, ah! Got you. Like they did to Sam Allardyce as well. Yeah, this exactly. entrapment journalism's awful. Well, of course, it was yours truly who, who brought about the downfall of the news of the world. Oh, yeah, you did. How did was, you do that again? It was me and someone else. We started off the online Twitter campaign to, to boycott, to get um, people to boycott the advertisers in it after the... Um, phone the, hacking. The phone hacking thing broke. The Millie Dowler thing. And we eventually we got someone else in who came up with a... Um, an auto-tweet thing where you could just automatically tweet all of the advertisers in that week's News of the World and basically harass them. them. Shame them, really. Shame them, yeah, and say, are you you still going to fund this publication? And then the advertisers for the next week's News of the World started pulling out one by one, and within three days no one was going to advertise in it, and they shut the cunt down all within the space of a week. Well, mate, I applaud you for that, but Murdoch... Who's had his beady eye on you ever Doesn't since? Doesn't forget exactly. Yeah. Well, look at. Well, I don't want to go into details, but look at what you found yourself in a bit of controversy well. a few years ago, which was not an easy time. And uh, I think News International <laughs> uh, or whatever it's called now were more than happy to jump in on that it's, fucking dog pile. This right? self-generated controversy. Let's be fair. <laughs> yeah, I know, but well, I don't know whether it was worthy of the fucking national press coverage it received. In News UK publications, just saying, mate. I'm not being paranoid. No, no absolutely. But the uh, you know, he's like he shut down the the news of the screws, and then waited for the dust to settle. And about a year later, he launched the Sun on Sunday. And when he yeah. launched the Sun on Sunday, he muttered to himself, "Your move, Dawson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm back. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't see that coming, did yeah. you, Dawson? And it's not going to be over. It's never going to be over." <laughs> I'm always watching me back. Um, well, leave it there because we've run out of time, really, and we haven't really started looking at the Just Say No video, which is a shame. Are we going to finish it in another episode? Yeah, we'll I do it do next have time. Notes. We'll do it next yeah. time. Uh, just finally, a bit more John Alford news. Uh, October 2018, um, he pleaded not guilty to two counts of assault on a police officer and guilty to a charge of criminal damage. Mm. Um, and then in 2019 pleaded guilty to two counts of resisting an officer and was given a 12-month community order. So, poor John Alford there. And, you know, everything that happened to him in the 90s is probably still reverberating through his life now. I mean, that's it. He got in, He was entrapped, right, by them. And then your life, it's really hard to come back because, of course, he got depressed. He went to fucking prison. He had a successful life. Suddenly, he's been humiliated and gone to prison, made a scapegoat by the justice system and the press. And then everything, it's hard for him to fucking reverse what, you know, the impact that's had on him. Yeah. He was, he was doing great before that. 
So I feel for him because, I mean, mm. obviously I don't know much about the bloke himself and I'm probably basing a lot of my feelings towards him on the basis of his fictional character of Robbie in Grange Hill, who was a top fella. He was, yeah. But he it's just a sad channel story. Robbie more often. And I hope he's doing better now. Yeah. So fuck the news of the world and fuck Murdoch. Mm. Um, thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.